Welcome to the Simply Be Podcast, a branding and lifestyle podcast for those who seek to make massive change in their life and their businesses by creating a stronger connection with what makes you, you. I'm your host, Jessica Zweig, personal branding expert and founder of Simply Be. And through these conversations with my incredible guests and my own life experiences, I'm going to show you that the secret to developing a brilliant brand and a kick-ass life isn't more doing, it's more being. Let's dive in. This is a Soulfire production. You're listening to the Simply Be Podcast, episode number 67. Well, hello, 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 my beautiful friends. Welcome back to today's show. I am so grateful, as always, to simply be with you all. If you are a first-time listener, well, welcome. My name is Jessica Zweig. I am your host. And on this show, we take a look at how to build your brand from a lens of authenticity and ease and flow. And I interview some of the most incredible people in the world on how to build a lifestyle and a brand on your own terms. And today's guest is no exception. She is an inspiration of mine. She is a dear soul sister and a friend. And what's so incredible about my conversation with Tara Stiles is how full circle it is. So I have had Tara Stiles on my quote unquote show before. I used to have a really um, pretty lame, actually, YouTube show called Simply Be TV. That was 1.0 at the dawn of Simply Be Agency 1.0 back in 2014 when I had left my first business, which was a magazine that I ran for seven years, to go off on my own. And I had absolutely no strategy. <laughs> I had no message. I had no product. All I knew is that I wanted to speak to women and help them build their personal brands. And I created a YouTube show and I identified all of these amazing women that I wanted to interview. And it was obviously on camera. And I reached out to Tara Styles, which was so ballsy when I think about it back in the day. And she responded and she said, Yes. And I think she was flying through Chicago on a W Hotel tour stop. And I kind of knew that. I We talk about this in the conversation. It's kind of blurry for both of us. All I know is that I brought my camera crew to her hotel room at the W Hotel. We shot not one, but two episodes together. And we bonded. And we've been friends ever since. And that was, I think, in 2014. And I have just watched her expand and grow her platform. I mean, she was already killing it. She still is. But what's been really beautiful is feeling her support and watching me rise. And we've just been really rooting for each other as friends across the country for the last six years. And I just am so touched and excited and moved that she's on my podcast And I know many of you are familiar with her work, but if you are not familiar with Tara Styles, let me just tell you about this yoga rebel wild woman friend of mine. Tara Styles is the founder of Strala, a revolutionary approach to being, moving, and healing. 
Stala yoga is essentially its own form of yoga, like vinyasa or ashtanga or forest. She's created her own method, which is now practiced in more than 100 countries. And thousands of guides are leading Strala classes daily around the globe. Tara has authored several best-selling books, including Yoga Cures, Make Your Own Rules Diet, and Strala Yoga, all which have been translated and published in several languages. She's been profiled by the New York Times, Times of India, the Times UK, and featured in most national and international magazines. She is a sought-after speaker on the topics of entrepreneurship, health, and well-being, and she's coming out with her brand new book in December called Clean Mind, Clean Body, a life-changing 28-day detox for body, mind, and spirit. She says most of us are constantly plugged in and stressed out. Mm -hmm, I can relate to that. Tethered to our phones and email, overworked and inactive at our jobs out of touch with what our bodies and our brains really need. This new book is a reset button. I think at the most amazing, amazing time of 2020 and a true immersive experience in mental and physical self-care. And I just think we all, all could use a huge dose of that. I think we can all just use a dose of Tara in general, like all the time. And the truth of the matter is I was going through a rather dark, period this year as we all have been. And I reconnected with Tara's work on Instagram because she teaches a live class without fail Monday through Friday for free to her, obviously to her global community. And it really saved me. Her classes, there's something about her energy and her method and the way that she lets you be your own teacher and get in tune with your own body. That is quite, quite magical. And it's no surprise that she has had the success that she has had partnerships with Reebok and W Hotel and this incredible, incredible brand that she's scaled across literally the planet. I actually was in Singapore in 2015 and took a Strala yoga class in Singapore with Strala trained instructors, all inspired from Tara Styles, and she's just so freaking real and open and generous and humble and authentic and a girl's girl, a true girl's girl. And obviously, because if she wasn't, she wouldn't have said yes to me all those years ago on YouTube, which by the way, I'm going to leave a link to that interview on the show notes so you guys can go watch Baby Jessica and Baby Tara back in 2014 when we first connected. She wouldn't be on my show if she wasn't a true model of, I believe, not just health, wellness, entrepreneurship, yoga, but honestly, women empowerment. It's my honor to bring her on my show today. And I am so excited for you all to hear her story and to learn her magic. And for the record, I think that it is the most wild, happy September, wild thing that you can do as we near the end of 2020 when her book comes out to click up and out of the fear, to tap out of the hustle, to say no to the grind, and to tap in to our flow and to our ease into our gentleness to draw boundaries, 
clean our minds, clean our bodies, and take precious care of ourselves like we never have before. I think now is our time. And Tara gives us the permission to simply be in all of that. So without further ado, I am so excited for you to hear my incredible conversation with Tara Stiles. It's so good to see you. It's so good to see you. <laughs> I am so grateful that you like made this happen so quickly. And I fucking, are you kidding? No, thank you. I'm ups- I mean, I'm like <laughs> so grateful for your sisterhood and support in me and your book. I feel the same. Is so good, and I, I really got focused with my show, and I'm very clear on just the voices I want to spotlight and. You're just so special to me, Tara. I mean, like, let's just roll right in because I want to kind of set up context of how you came into my life and how I came into your life. And I was thinking about it and it's like, I kind of don't truly remember the specifics, but I I do and I don't. So I found you in like 2012, I think, 2013, 14, maybe, I don't even know. And I was following Gabby Bernstein and Chris Carr and Daniel Laporte. And I found you and I was just so inspired by you and and found you so aspirational. And then I left, I was running another business, which my audience knows about Cheeky. And I was going off to launch Simply Be. And I wanted to create this video series and spotlight personal brands that I admired. And I started this little video series on YouTube, which is so like, 1.0 of my <laughs> simply be iteration. Oh, it was beautiful. And I I reached out to you cold, I think. And you responded to me. And you were coming through Chicago on a W Hotels tour and I came to your hotel with a camera crew and we shot this interview and you were just so, I mean in my eyes, it's so funny the projections and we'll talk about it that we see of people on social media and in the internet that feel sort of untouchable because they're so successful and sparkly on the internet. And you just were so real and human and accessible. And you really gave me the wings and the confidence that I could create this business on my terms and reach out to anyone. And that I was, you know, a person and a voice in the field of of entrepreneurship too. And ever since then, I've just we've been sisters and from afar, just really clapping for each other and supporting each other for years. And I just want to tell you, thank you for that. Cause it was so meaningful that you, you did that. Oh my gosh. I mean, I feel the same way. I don't remember also the details of everything. I just remember I was coming to Chicago and part of that wrapped up in for me was I get to hang out with you. And I felt like I had already known you a little bit just from our whatever email exchanges and things like that. And I thought it's so cool. I get to go and do this thing with W and, you know, it's always a good experience with them, but I'm going to have a friend there. Yes, totally. I that. <laughs> and I remember thinking you were, you know, I think you had described to me your, the business that you were currently running. And I thought, man, like she's really got it together. That's so cool. And so, you know, you were saying the things about me, but I was also thinking those same things about you because, you know, of course, as we know, as we go along on our, our journeys of work and all those things, you know, we, we always feel different on the inside than what, how other people see us on the outside. So I was excited to maybe in a similar way, you know, plug into you and get re-energized and, you know, reminded of my own excitement and a little kind of 
wind to my path as well. So I think that's, you know, part of our our magic together. <laughs> Isn't that funny? The projections and the stories that 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 aren't necessarily negative. They're they're in fact usually positive and in admiration, but how different we might feel about ourselves inside. And I really want to talk about your book. We're going to get there. I read it. I loved it. It's so beautiful and so needed right now. Literally right now. It's such a perfect time for this book to come out. But what I want to do is sort of zoom out and up and and talk about how you got to where you are. And, and you're a small town girl from Illinois, same state. We're from the same place. I think that also adds to our bond. And yeah. <laughs> you've created, I mean, I discovered you at the sort of height of Reebok and Strala and you, you know, W and all of these these incredibly inspirational, successful accolades. And I would just love for those that are listening, I know many of them are probably familiar with you, but take us back to how you became Tara Styles. I mean, the story of how you started Strala as this inspiration and love for yoga, you know, to today. Tell us, tell us who you are. Oh my gosh, you're so sweet. <laughs> it's amazing what you've done. Um, I don't know. Well, you, I think we feel similar in this too, because, you know, when I first started sharing yoga with people and figuring out a studio and calling it Strala and kind of the beginning of that, when, you know, I was more just me thinking about these things. Um, I, I honestly feel the same way now. So it's always beautiful to kind of zoom out and up, like you say, or have somebody come up to me on the street and say, Oh, I know who you are. And then the person across the street being like, who is that? You know? so, so for me, I'm well aware that I'm not, you know, Angelina Jolie and not everybody knows who I am. So it's this really beautiful um, way that I guess I always wanted to arrive at somehow where if somebody knows who I am, that's a stranger, there's a reason that they feel better. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's always been a childhood dream. And so when that kind of started to happen on the street, and then you know, virtual messages and comments and things like that, that kind of made me feel successful in that way or gave me those confidence boosts that I feel like, you know, are probably more healthier than other confidence boosts. Like, look at this fancy partnership or, um, you know, look at, uh, you know, how the line opens up for you somewhere. Those things that are a little bit, you know, more for me, nerve wracking or make me feel a little bit kind of awkward in a way, I guess. Yeah. I think we all kind of feel totally. that superficialness and in that way, it's exciting and fun, but also it separates us more. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I kind of started, I never wanted to teach yoga. It was never a childhood dream. I thought I would dance and that was my path. And I love that. But my, my one big existential crisis when I was a teenager with dance was when I started performing more was the people in the audience were were just that they were only the people that were somehow allowed to be there or found out to be there you know whether it's a hundred or a thousand a bigger arena it's always going to be those people that got to come and not everybody else so that was sort of one crisis of thought and then my other crisis of thought was i wanted to dance with the audience <laughs> <laughs> i wanted to sort of you know do my thing and and, and feel the emotions and the form and the physicality of that and then you know, take the people from the chairs and say, I want you to experience this too. So, you know, I got lucky, synchronicity, all that. My ballet teacher brought in yoga to our program. And this was in the late 90s. And it still wasn't, you know, something that was 
not so much done in ballet programs or, you know, really in, in, in fitness studios and things like that in general. So it was more for relaxation for us kind of stressed out young dancers. And it was the first time in my life I saw somebody just sitting in the front of the room. He was a man and he had no agenda to get us to agree with him or, you know, get us to do anything, perform anything. He was just simply happy for no reason at all. <laughs> and I thought, oh, what is incredible. <laughs> right. And I hadn't seen any examples of that really in my life, at least in its kind of obvious form. This was just kind of like, you know, uh, an emerald as an emerald, you know, <laughs> sort of there's nothing really else going on. So I thought this was the most mysterious thing I'd, I'd ever seen, but it also connected me to something deep inside that was starting to put the puzzle pieces together of dancing with the audience and inviting more people into this feeling. And once he led me through the class, I thought, oh my gosh, this is like being in your own spaceship and figuring out how to tune in and listen to yourself and feel better and sort of get answers, you know, kind of like prayer or, or meditation or other things that I had known about or experienced or reading or learning, but really something that anybody could do. And then my second thought was, why doesn't everybody do this? <laughs> <laughs> and then I was really, you know, in for it, I guess, yeah. because I started learning, you know, where the yoga was happening and it was still pretty, at least in America, you know, in the back of flyers or in the back of some bodega somewhere, some teacher was sitting on the floor waving some incense around or really small places or more the institutionalized ashrams or centers where at least I went and visited some of those. And it felt like I didn't find people like me there, not just like young girls, but I, I saw more people at the end of their rope. It was more of the older generation where so many things had gone wrong in their long lives that they found this final place as an escape, as more of a refuge. And I thought, well, maybe we can kind of help ourselves before we get to that place. You know? <laughs> so I was just kind of thinking about these things in my head for so long. And, you know, when I moved to New York, I was dancing and doing a bunch of different gigs just to pay the bills and kind of meet people and all of these things. I kept talking to people about yoga and, you know, the, you'd hear all the same misconceptions that you hear now. I'm not flexible enough. I don't, I don't want to be religious in that way. You know, there's nothing new. And I thought, oh, okay, you know, it doesn't matter. Like you can stretch a little side, stretch a little side, move how it feels better. And all these people would say, oh, I feel better. Or um, I never heard yoga explained to me like that. Um, you know, are you doing a class somewhere? I'm like, no, no, I'm not doing it like that. That's so funny. So, you know, as you know, and I think anybody knows that has followed their own path, you know, these things come and they grab you and they, they force you in a way to keep going. So you know, I, I ended up doing this advertisement for Crunch Gym where I was like, um, it was for some stretch class and I was like pedicure Tammy or something like doing a stretch. And I said, okay, you know, I, I love to go to the gym, you know, okay, it's part of my deal with this. I negotiated like a, a free membership to the gym, you know, and um, they had yoga classes there, which I thought, okay, this is cool. It's not in the ashram. What's going on? And in that times, it was the early 2000s in New York, some really great yoga teachers were teaching just happened to be at Crunch Gym. <laughs> I thought this was so cool. So I was exposed to, you know, different individuals and they were a decade and a half older than me. And they weren't, you know, what I saw as my first example, as the, the end of the rope people, you know, they were doing this because they wanted to help people. They were all doing it in a different way. And 
I think that was where I got this first spark of, wow, people are doing this for their life with their time as their life. And, um, you know, one of the teachers um, had a flyer for a teacher training program. I'm like, you can do a training to become a yoga teacher. That's crazy. Such a different because world. It's still, yeah, it still wasn't, you know, well known, I guess. There was no internet for this kind of a thing yet. So, you know, I did the training and she was really nice. Her name's Amy Mpoli. She's still a, a really well-respected teacher. And I learned a lot from her. And I think the, the best thing I learned from her so much was how she was herself. And, you know, I didn't identify with the style she was teaching, but I, I thought she had the same feeling like the first yoga teacher I ever had was she was happy for no reason at all. And I just, you know, she didn't wear any makeup, but she was beautiful. I'm like, how is that possible? And she ate things like avocado right out of the avocado. And I never saw anybody do that before. You know, I'm sitting there with my gummy bears and my, you know, Diet Coke or whatever. You know? Totally. <laughs> like, I'm like, what? You could just eat plants like out of the whole plant, not in a salad with, you know, mustard dressing or whatever. I had no idea. So I learned so much by simply watching her and, you know, and then it was kind of, you know, I just got pulled into the leading and, and sharing and, you know, the, the one thing kept leading to another and I just got more brave on my point of view of it and not sharing the styles that I had learned, but more of, you know, gaining the confidence to say things in the way where I felt authentic or, you know, things like move how it feels good for you. Or, you know, a lot of the yoga didn't make sense for me because the the pose was the goal. And I thought, well, coming from a dance background, I can, I can show people how to move where you get into the pose more efficiently and more effectively with your body. But the goal then isn't to be as contorted as possible in the pose. The goal is to keep the flow through the whole experience. So it's sort of, you know, getting more and more confidence as more people would say, oh, I feel so much better. You know, my pain goes away, whatever these sort of side effects are. Um, you know, then, then I think, you know, as that progressed, more people just started to identify what I was doing as as the unique thing that I eventually got the confidence to just once and for all say, okay, this is, this is really what it is. It's that raw feeling of pure happiness and knowledge of yoga. But then, but then there has to be this, what's, what's my point of view of it. And I think that's where, you know, things really got um, big faster, more opportunities started rushing in for me in an in a insane way. Yeah. As we all, as everybody knows that when you finally, you know, have all those puzzle pieces fit together and the you, like how you say in your book, <laughs> the unit comes to the table, then that is the secret magic formula because, you know, then everybody was coming to me for the answers and I'm like, okay, you know, I, I can share with you the process, but you know, that's really the formula that I think is behind the, you know, Strala and, and the community and people and, and opportunities that I've been, you know, blessed to have and given and all of that. But it's, you know, it's, it's really that formula of raw energy and knowledge, but also the main ingredient is that perspective or that point of view. Oh, so good. So much to say. <laughs> and that was amazing. First, let me say that, thank you for bringing that up. In my book, I have an opening quote the book opens up with the statement, do not be surprised how fast the universe will respond once you have decided. And I love that. Stop me in my tracks, by the way. So thank you. Oh my God, that's right. <laughs> you read my book. You're so amazing. I did read your book. And it's like, 
alignment, alignment, alignment. When we get in alignment with our purpose, with our soul, with what we love, with what brings us joy, what's of service to others, it just explodes and everything Mm -hmm. opens up beyond your wildest expectations. But we have to trust and feel ready and worthy and all of the things that, you know, you and I have clearly been on the path around. So let's just briefly talk about Strala because I've taken your class. It's, I'm not just saying this because we're friends and you're on my show. It's like the best <laughs> yoga class I've ever fucking taken. You, you know, Tara has created a method. It's like vinyasa or shtanga, like Strala is a method. And I think you were written up at, in Harvard as a case study, correct me yeah. if I'm wrong. I mean, it's incredible yeah. that you did that. And, and so just break down really quickly, you know, what, what the Strala method is, it entails. Because people can take your classes on, on the internet now forever. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's everywhere now. And, um, I think what makes me most proud is when I figured out, okay, it's not just me and my sort of charismaticness or whatever, you know, some people can say, but when I really started, you know, leaning into my dance lifelong background of, you know, um, sequencing and, and choreography and feeling and how movement creates feeling, I was like, okay, there's a method here. And what happens if I share that method to somebody else? Is, is the class going to feel um, the same way? So something, uh, you know, pretty cool happened from that. It became about, you know, learning a vocabulary of movement instead of poses. So it's sort of like, let's take the pose out of it as a destination. Um, You know, we're all trying to flow. We're all trying to feel the journey and all that stuff anyway. So, but why are we so fixated on poses? And it just seems, it seemed to me like such an antithesis of experience. So, you know, extracting the pose and calling it what it is, just an arbitrary waypoint. It's a form. You're going to be on this journey. You know, so it's, we're doing these movements and they kind of go in groups of movements. If you're in a class, you, you, you don't know, like most people don't know that it's a style if they just take a class like, oh, that was a great yoga class. And that's honestly my goal. I don't want to be so stylized where the postures are different or you're swaying your back or you're doing your fingers a certain way. Like it's, mm-hmm. it should be very natural and feel very individual. So it should feel, like yoga that feels like you. And I, I guess that's kind of how I like to describe it yeah. in a way, because it is a style, but it's not stylized to the point of um, decor- decorations in a way, which I think a lot of certain styles of movements do, where they say, in the first 10 minutes, we do this. And then 30 minutes later, we do this. And then we do that. Um, you know, we call the classes just by, you know, for, for trying to be as simple as possible, how they feel so energized. I feel energized after the end of that or relaxed or strong or gentle. Um, so you can take the vocabulary of movements and sequence them in a way where the movements invoke the feeling instead of the teacher telling you how to feel. So the, the, the job of the guide is to, to follow the breath, to move with the breath and be that example. That way it leaves the space open for people to feel how they feel themselves. And I think that's the magic of yoga in general. Everybody feels you know, about the same, but so, you know, specifically different to to each other person. Which is interesting to hear you say it like this, because it's so simple and so obvious, but in many ways, somewhat revolutionary in the yoga space, which has such dogma and sort of ethics and ethos around the way it should be. And you got coined the yogi rebel by the New York Times, (laughs) right? Which is kind of epic, actually, that (laughs) you you were like, who made the rules? That was a slogan that you coined uh, 
you know, it was on t-shirts. It was like a Reebok thing, I think. Like, who made the rules about yoga? And I love that because it's like, who made the rules about anything? You know, it's all programmed and we get to decide. And I love that about your brand. Yeah, I, I think I found, you know, part of my angst about yoga was dogma. It was the, you know, the obvious progression of abuse, whether it's abuse happening today or 10 years from now, whether it's, you know, a student making a teacher feel bad about themselves or forceful adjustment or full on sexual abuse. It's, it's sort of if you're doing it, you're doing it. And, and it comes in the teaching. And, you know, so many teachers that I was learning from were great intentioned people, but they were still passing down these styles made from whoever that were taught this way. And, you know, it takes some time for somebody to come forward and say, well, you know, I don't really like being pushed into this pose, or I don't like when the teacher, you know, makes me feel bad about myself. And, you know, on the one hand, it's the system of control that yoga exists in, but it, it's not what yoga is supposed to be, I think, or it's not how we can actually feel better. It's just a way to, you know, keep that abusive or unhealthy relationship happening between, you know, student and teacher or, you know, that dominating relationship or codependence or, you know, things we don't need more of. <laughs> like, totally. You know? Totally. But it's hard. I mean, I remember when I first started, even the first five years, I'd have people come to my class that were from other styles of yoga and they were specifically coming because they had heard, you know, oh, you're getting all this attention. What's the big deal? You know, and you can see them coming in from a mile away. And they would say, well, you're not really telling me what to do or how to feel. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm showing you where to go. And that's very different. If you're so used to somebody telling you exactly how to feel every step of the way, then you're, you're really feeling nothing. And I think that's, you know, the sadness about, you know, all of these healing modalities, whether it's yoga or any, any healing modality, if you give your power over to the form or to the teacher, then then it doesn't work. You just get stuck in that system. And then you see all the weird things like cultural appropriation. You just keep buying more Indian gear to wear. You start completely cooking Indian food or you, you know, you go to India and you don't really like when I went to India the first time it was with Reebok. It was on a commercial trip, but I, I could not bear the sight just as a person, the poverty in the street. And I was thinking to myself, it's incredible that I have so many friends that go to India and go to an ashram and forget the airport and see the, the mothers and the babies in the street. And, you know, there's so much work to do, but we get so blinded by, I have to be this perfect yoga person. I have to go to this ashram and tune out the world. And, you know, everybody on the other side of it says, wherever you go, there you are, you know, even in Eat, Pray, Love. You know? yeah, <laughs> I like, have that quote on. in my book too. It's yeah. <laughs> you didn't need to go to India to find yourself, but, um, but it's, it's, it's amazing to know that if you if you lose the dogma of these practices, I, I feel like you become more human. You become more in touch with yourself. And you know what I'm most proud of is helping everybody through this practice. I get out of the way enough so people can can find themselves, and they do, and then they come back and they say, "Oh my gosh, Tara, you changed my life." I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I had no, I had nothing to do with it. Literally, I showed you the form that has helped me and then and then you go off to the races and and then it makes people you know more connected with their humanness like it's 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 impossible then to go to india and to ignore the poverty you want to do something about it you want to get involved you want to get involved with the people hurting in your local area you want to help yourself and all of these you know things that could be a little bit more normal become more normal and i think that's really 
you know, why I get so excited about it all the time. And, you know, I still am like, oh, I don't want to be teaching yoga. It's so crazy. But then I'm like, oh, wow, I can actually help people feel better and, Which you, you do. know, do this thing. You totally do. <laughs> and that is just to stamp that point. I think the climax, if you will, of my spiritual awakening was realizing that I am my own healer and that it exists within. And that shift of disempowering myself by looking outside at people like you or people like my energy healer or my acupuncture, whatever it is, we have the answers and it's about tuning in. And I love to hear you say that. OMG, you guys, we have a sponsor. (laughs) Now, listen up. When I started the Simply Be podcast, I made a vow to myself and honestly to you that I would never bring on a sponsor to this show unless I firmly, truly believed in it, loved it, and used personally myself. And I got to tell you, I am obsessed, obsessed with Organifi. Now, if you're like me, you're real busy, you're running some shit. You don't have a lot of time to make your juice every morning and take every single supplement and vitamin and get perfect REM sleep every night. Sometimes you need a couple hacks. (laughs) And Organifi checks all of those boxes and then some. Not only is this product line effective, it is delicious. And I'm dabbling in their whole product line. I love their green. I love their red. I love their glow. Most of all, though, I am really, really addicted to their Organifi Gold Chocolate. It's a creamy, delicious superfood tea filled with medicinal mushrooms and herbs for inducing deep sleep instantly. And if you guys are like me, I need my rest. And this shit makes me sleep like a goddess. It's 100% USDA certified organic with less than one gram of sugar per cup, which is insane to me because it tastes amazing. It tastes like full hot chocolate. Now, I usually make it with full fat oat milk and then I blend it up in my Nutribullet and I drink it before bed. It has nine superfoods for deep sleep and recovery, including some of my favorites, which include reishi mushroom, which is amazing for reducing anxiety and balancing your hormones. Turkey tail mushroom, which is epic for reducing inflammation in the body and increasing your immunity, which given the state of the world right now, I think we all need to pay attention to. Plus, it's got lemon balm, turmeric, ginger, and magnesium, all of these incredibly holistic, healthy herbs and vitamins that really, really support your body and your mind. Now, a quick caveat, my husband drinks it. He's obsessed. What you need to know about my husband is that he has the diet of a 12-year-old. I love him. It's a losing battle. I gave up a long time ago. Tried to push quinoa and kale and green juice on him my whole marriage. It doesn't work. If it is remotely healthy, he doesn't want it. (laughs) But when I started drinking Organifi Gold Chocolate, he was like, what's that? That looks like hot chocolate. Can I have a sip? And now... He asks for it on demand pretty much every single night. We drink it together before bed and we both sleep like babies. (laughs) You guys have to try this stuff. I'm serious. It is an obsession in the best way. And I know you guys are going to love it too. So head on over to Organifi.com backslash Simply Be, or you can use code Simply Be at checkout for 15% off. I am 
so proud and grateful to be partnering with Organifi as Simply Bee's first official sponsor, a product I so, so, so believe in, and I know is going to support you on living your best life. Now let's head back to the show. I totally feel from being a student of yours, a a yoga student, your desire and authentic, earnest call to be of service to your community. And I just want to thank you personally for doing what you did and have been doing during COVID. Like I've taken your classes in studio in New York, and I think you came through Chicago. I took your classes at the W. You're just amazing. And sort of this idea of like, if I want to take yoga with the best teachers in the world, I have to fly somewhere. And now, you know, COVID sort of ripped the whole internet open. And and you started teaching 8 a.m. classes, which is 7 a.m. Chicago time, every day on Instagram Live, Monday through Friday. And I like got to start taking classes with you again this year. And oh, it was so it was such a guiding light and it was so grounding. And I just want to honestly thank you because it's it helped me, Tara. Like it helped me in the morning start my day being with you and your energy, which just resonates through the phone. But it's it's interesting because this isn't new for you. You started sharing classes and content on YouTube years ago before anyone did that. And that was rebellious and revolutionary. And you really kind of built your personal brand alongside of Strala. So talk talk to me about your impetus to do that and and how, because I'm, you know, my audience is primarily entrepreneurs, people who are trying to navigate the internet, look up to someone like you with this mega platform. And it really just so much of it started with you taking advantage of of the tools online. So what was the inspiration to do that? And, and what have you learned about building your own brand? Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, this is fun. I mean, I feel like, you know, we're all put on, you know, I know you think like this because you think about things like this. Too. <laughs> like, you know, I think about the time that I'm here, the the age that I am at certain places in life and certain things are available. And I feel like you know, I turn to the right and this thing is available for me. I turn to the left and here it is. Let's use this. So I feel like, you know, I learned yoga really, you know, when there was just email, like you had a Hotmail account or whatever, you know, you couldn't look stuff up on the internet yet. And then, you know, once I was getting excited about it, you know, I turned around and there was, there was YouTube and I just saw like, you know, funny cat videos at the time or whatever was going on. And I, I, I looked at that and I think it was, you know, you had a mice, there was like MySpace uh-huh. still, which I thought was kind of cool. We all did. <laughs> MySpace account. I don't know. I'm sure none of your viewers know what MySpace Maybe is they do. I'm a lot older than I look. And so are you. I think you're yeah, like, yeah. you look so young, but I recall MySpace very dearly. I was on it forever. Yeah, it was so fun. But, you know, I was in like the computer club in high school. I was always into technology and kind of not the internet at that time, but like programming and stuff like that. So, you know, when YouTube, I learned about it, I said, okay, I can just turn on my MacBook. I, you know, had a a MacBook at the time with one of the, the cameras. And I don't think it was really for use for anything at that time. So I just opened it up and backed up a little bit and did some yoga. And I thought, you know, I could help my friends back home. And I thought, what are my friends dealing with back pain? They're all getting on prescription pills. They're breaking up with their first boyfriend or Mm. girlfriend, you know, all the normal, like young adult stuff. So I thought instead of doing some sort of hour long yoga class, I could do these sort of, um, you know, bites to bring people in and say, 
you know, you can feel better in five minutes. Just do this and see what happens. You know? so <laughs> <So>. <laughs> just see what happens. And, you know, it was, you know, I'm also like kind of goofy. So I think that it was fun for yeah. me. I wasn't trying to, you know, reach a large audience. I had no idea what that meant at the time. I don't, that wasn't really in the ethos of conversation. So I was just putting up these things. And actually a gal that worked or she came into the studio a lot. She was working at Huffington Post. And she said, you know, we, we have this kind of boring health and wellness and spirituality section and everybody hates it. And we're going to get rid of it. But would you like to do some blogging for us? And I thought, yeah, I'd love to like write, you know, a little bit how to how to do some moves to feel better and then a little video to go with that. So she really gave me this boost as well as a platform to, wow. to showcase some of the videos. And, um, and she loved the classes, you know, similar to how you're describing. She's like, you know, I always wanted to do yoga, but, um, you know, I didn't feel invited to this place or, you know, I eat this way and they don't. And they were, you know, one teacher had told her that she smelled like bacon or something. I don't know. Like everybody has their horror stories, you know? Right. So she was really became a friend and an advocate. So more things like that started to happen. And it just gave me more encouragement to say, okay, I can, I can make some videos and have some fun. And, and yeah, people started watching and I didn't know what that meant in terms of, you know, if it was just one person clicking over and over, or, you know, if these were really people around the world feeling better. Um, so yeah, that started to, I guess, grow. And I felt kind of, you know, uh, like a lone ranger doing this kind of a thing. And my yoga teacher friends at the time told me this was crazy. You can't do yoga without a teacher present. You're going to injure people. And I, I would say, well, I think the presence of a teacher actually injures people more. <laughs> you know, I would like, get kind of feisty with my responses. And it's like people, you know, they go about their day taking care of themselves. You know, if you pop on a video, I, I trust these people to take care of themselves. I'm not telling them to do anything that's, that's, you know, not good for the body. I'm doing things in a very simple, easy way. Nothing kind of controversial not even a big exercise really. So, um, so yeah, I just kept going with that and, you know, more people started watching and I think I didn't realize those people until, you know, New York is a hub for everywhere. So people, when they would come to New York on a business trip or a holiday or whatever, they would start to visit the studio to the point where, you know, it'd be Saturday and Sunday and it would be, you know, the 10, 20 regulars and then a line down the hall of, you know, people from all around the world. I was one of those saw. people. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> but it was so fun. And then, but everybody had stories and everybody, you know, talked to each other. And I was so excited that people were feeling better and people wanted to do yoga with us in the group and meet everybody as part of their, you know, New York trip. And then, you know, through Reebok and W and then on my own a little bit with Strala, the more I got to start traveling around you know, people would show up for things and, and want to do yoga and, and kind of have their own stories from those YouTube videos. So yeah, I'm really grateful for the, the, the kind of place that the internet has been at during every moment of my journey. And I never did YouTube kind of, you know, then YouTube started becoming more of a, uh, a way for people to have a business through YouTube. And I wasn't really, you know, I kind of turned my back on YouTube once I met people in real life. I thought, oh, wow, this was a tool to get to meet people. And here they are. And this is so great. And I can still, you know, put up videos, but I never really played and played along with any, you know, um, I don't want to say games, but any of the, the uh, 
you know, ways to keep it going, like, oh, upload a video every Wednesday and have this on Friday. And, you know, I never had a team around it or anything really professional. So it was for me a really huge gift to, to take me to the place where I got to, you know, be with the people. I completely relate to that for the record. <laughs> it's, it's, I say all the time that I built my personal brand by accident, just by yeah. <laughs> really like seeing the purity of these tools and wanting to navigate them for my own fun and for my own service. And then all of a sudden people knew who I was and then opportunities started to unfold and it became less about the actual approach to social media and more about what that opened up for me as far as, you know, the doors and and getting to the next level and the and the real heart of what I am here to do, which is not be on, you know, YouTube or social media, but to, for you to teach yoga and for me to teach branding and authenticity. And it's interesting because I found you kind of at the height of all of that, like that explosion. And I want to transition to your book, which I truly love. It's it's beautiful. It's so much more than I thought it was going to be. I was like ready to, re you know, read this 28 day, like transformation, yeah, clean, clean mind, clean body, but and it's all in there and we'll talk about yeah. it. But what I was really moved by was your, your story of where you actually were during the height of all of that. And you mentioned the language that you were stuck in the cycle of validation that the, that the Instagram and all of the things do kind of suck you into. And I'd love for you to share about that time in your life because it sounds pretty transformational. And I think a lot of people can relate to that cycle, myself included. Yeah, I think you know, that's, I think that was the reason I was so, you know, excited to meet you as a friend. Okay. I'm going to Chicago doing this other thing, but there's a girl there. There's a, a woman there. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, call me a girl. I still feel like I'm 20. I'm 21. <laughs> me too. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> like, like I have a girlfriend there that I'm going to get to, you know, yeah, I know she's going to, we're going to sit down and do this, you know, interview or whatever, but it's going to be a real conversation and I'm going to have a moment whether it's through actual words or subtext to just be with another person that is going to uh, make me feel better. And I think I really needed that at that time. Yeah, <laughs> so I remember that. that. Totally. Yeah. I just felt really, you know, um, you know, and it seems ungrateful and I, but I think it's again, such an important thing to talk about because, you know, the more I watch and listen and read of other people's stories of, um, you know, success or accomplishment or whatever, it's, it's such a, it's such a similar path. And, and sort of at these kind of big, busy, you know, moments before you, I feel like now I've, I've, I've broken on through to this other side again. And it's, so nice. I know I can see it. I bet. <laughs> I feel so I'm, good. I'm there too on my way, but yes. Yeah. I think busy women get into that cycle of hustle, yeah. hustle, hustle, crash, hustle, hustle, crash. Yeah. And, and one thing leads to another and, you know, it, it was a beautiful relationship with Reebok. You know, I started with them for two years and they're like, oh, it's going so well, let's do more. And, you know, I really feel like I was part of the team bringing all these random ideas and then they're this massive company and they would do it. And all of a sudden my grandmother's leg warmers would be on women around the world. Yes. And I'm like, this is so much fun, you know, totally. and then W was like, yes. And they're like, let's do this. And you know, that came out of two gals that used to come to the studio and they work for Starwood. And, you know, when I first started my business, I got the Starwood credit card so I could honestly, uh, you know, honestly uh, take my stays from the Standard Hotel to the W. Yes, 100%. <laughs> I'm like, okay, the Standard was my first level of, 
you know, okay, I can afford this if I teach some yoga classes and like hop around in different cities. But like the W to me was like, wow. No, no <laughs> doubt. Like, For at sure. that time in my life, I was like, if I'm at the W, there's art on the walls. I'm going to be inspired. You know, I can talk to people. I can just be myself there. It's a business hotel where I don't have to wear some sort of an Ann Taylor suit or something like that, that I didn't feel comfortable in because I never wear those things. Um, so I thought that that was really cool. Um, that they wanted to do something together. So all of a sudden it was, you know, busy, busy flying everywhere. But, you know, at the same time, I was managing the studio in New York and, and all of the, the instructors that worked there. And I was, you know, trying to control everything happening and text messaging people back and forth and, you know, everybody's drama and then my own drama and my own sleep deprivation and my own, like, you know, I want to go see my friends when I go out to these places. So, you know, hanging out with these people and these people, then coming back and then getting up and talking to the media all day and doing all these things. And essentially everything that I ever wanted was right there. But, you know, at the end of the day, I come back to my beautiful W hotel suite and then just, well, now what, you know, what's, what's the point. So, um, you know, and I didn't have any space in my life at that time to reflect on it, but, you know, my relationship with Mike was crap. Um, you know, right, right in the very beginning of that busyness, I had this, you know, and you'll identify with this probably too, with your relationship things, because we talk about this so much, but I had this like very girl boss plan. I was like, I'm going to Moscow for Reebok. And then I said, Mike, you fly to Paris. I'll meet you in Paris. I'll do a little event. We'll stay in like a really cute hotel that he likes. I'll get pregnant. We'll have two days in Paris. Then we'll go back to New York and we'll just, you know, get this baby thing together. So the wild thing is, I did the whole thing. Actually, I got pregnant, which was just a fluke, you know, like I was so ridiculous and naive that I didn't know that you had to time it out. <laughs> I was like, oh, you just have sex, so you get pregnant. You know, we didn't have sex ed in Illinois. It was just like, don't have sex, you'll get an STD. That was like sexual education for 100%. fertility. So, you know, I did get pregnant, came back, went through a miscarriage like eight weeks later and, you know, didn't deal with it. Mike didn't deal with it. I didn't deal with, and then just went right back into being busy, 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 you know? So what you don't deal with comes back up. So it took, you know, a couple of years for us to completely, you know, heal and work through that. And I just masked so much of that with just being busier and diving deeper into, you know, I would go somewhere for Reebok and then tell W I'm going there and then fly over to another country for W and then be close to somewhere else and fly there and do Estrella training. And I was happy, but there was so much also underneath the surface that I hadn't dealt with. So it was really just, you know, that, that bandaid. <laughs> girl, I relate to you on all of the levels, <laughs> the, the girl, blo girl boss over planning and being in t total type A masculine control. And it's kind of falling apart on <laughs> the surface and then having this awakening. Yeah. And it's like, we teach what we are here to learn. I firmly believe that. And you opened up to about that in your book. And I just, I was so grateful that you did that. That vulnerability was so powerful. So thank you for sharing that story. And you were saying earlier, like the the teacher that you saw who was just happy for the sake of it, like the emerald of the emerald, you as you use your language and the woman eating out of the avocado, you're like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> and you're like, you're, you're that emerald of an emerald of an emerald. Terrace. I know. You really it's are. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And I have been, you know, a little bit behind you as far not that it's a race but like i've been kind of my my path to awakening and learning it's we're constantly on and we're always evolving but it it really wasn't until 2020 that i very very much consciously 
made that shift. I'm really, really ready to tap out of the energy of hustle and really, really looking to be in way more peace and way more flow and clarity. And this brings us to your book. And by the way, I took a bunch of notes. So I'm going to like, I'm just obsessed. (laughs) I'm obsessed with this book. And I just, I feel like we're all living in such a reset with COVID. But for some people, it's just been this awakening of and all of this new found space and stillness. And then for others, it's the opposite because there's no separation between work and life and family, right? We're crunched inside of our, our homes and having to quarantine and just life is so different. And we, personally speaking, I've actually found it more difficult to set up space and boundaries and to clear my mind and to clear my body. I finally got back on my routine, but I like gained some weight during quarantine. I was drinking alcohol. I was eating sugar. I was not working out day for a couple of your yoga classes a week, but I wasn't really taking care of myself. And I just think this book comes at such a profound time because we're ending 2020 as this book comes out and then entering a new year. And you start the book talking about cleaning your mind. How do we clean our minds? Tell us, Tara. I want them to read the book, but like give us the the highlight. Well, I think, you know, being in the, you know, it wasn't even the wellness industry five years ago, but what's become this, you know, trillion dollar industry of do more. Here's all the things you need to do. Just do them and everything will be great. You know, have the green juice, do the yoga, go get a massage, you know, and then go home and your life will be fine. But we all know it doesn't work and we find the next thing, the next year, the next diet or whatever it is. And, you know, what I've learned so far and then what I study through all of these, you know, ancient wisdoms, but it's really the same wisdom as our grandmother who's, you know, living simply or whatever older relative that you know that's doing it right is the same thing as Ayurveda or Shiatsu or yoga. They're a living example of the same wisdom. It's not a foreign concept. It's really this human concept, I I believe. And you know, so, so cleaning your mind, I feel like the first step is, you know, it has to be the first step. If your mind's not right, your body can't follow. And, you know, thankfully we're in a time now where it's not your mind and your body separate or connected. It's the same. So, you know, it's not about, you know, thinking your way thin. It's about having a conversation with yourself when you do yoga, you know, listening to what's going on with you, even more than listening to what the instructor is saying. It's, you know, listening to yourself when you wake up in the morning, just getting on the ground, taking a few breaths and, and opening up the conversation with yourself, not to, you know, it doesn't need to look inauthentic to you. You don't need to wrap a scarf around your, your body if that's not normal for you, or, you know, set up an altar if that's not normal for you. But if it is, then that's what it is too. But, you know, that's gotta be the first step to find a way to, in a very simple, sustainable way, connect with yourself and open up that conversation. So for me, it's honestly just crawling on down to the ground, taking a few deep breaths, letting myself move how it feels good to me in the moment. It's not about doing a yoga pose. It's just simply moving around. And then something happens. I've, I've opened up a little bit of space to say, oh, you should do that thing right now or forget about that. Or you should really eat this right now or put more energy into this. And you know, I think the problem with all of the books and all the information is we go to those endpoints of the answers, what other people say, you know, 
just eat this way or just talk to your family on this day or, you know, make time for yourself in the morning. But it has to be a sort of, I believe, an, an all day long check in in a way and something that's not just for your self-care time. It's when you notice you're stressed, how do you deal with it? How are you moving and breathing and thinking during the day? And, and how can you simply change that in the moment by giving yourself a little wiggle and opening your eyes back up and looking around and, and seeing the world in a, in a different way. I love that. You talk about having that 10 minutes in the morning, which is like a non-negotiable space for yourself. And I have found that as soon as I implemented sacred space in the morning for myself, it was a game changer because life is mm -hmm. going to topple you. And that's the beauty of what you're talking about is this idea of balance, right? Where we think of balance equals work, life, family, everything has to be in equilibrium like a seesaw. But balance is found on a day-to-day, moment-to-moment basis. And that's actually very much inspired by Ayurveda, which you talk about mm -hmm. in your book. You kind of give us a crash course in Ayurveda and diet and food, which you have in here, recipes aren't a one-size-fits-all. So can you talk to us about Ayurveda and how you live it in your life and why you love it so much? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I stayed away from Ayurveda for so long because it felt to me like how I think yoga felt to a lot of other people. I thought, oh, this is something so extreme yeah. and so foreign and I'm never going to understand. And there's so many layers, and there's so many spices and there's so many you know, there's, there's so many rules. What the heck, you know? And but I feel like so many people like that feel about yoga. So I went, you know, I was 21 and I checked it out. I saw this Ayurvedic doctor and she was this Indian woman. She was a tongue reader and she looked at me and she said, you know, way too much this, you need to go home and eat white rice. And you know, I don't even know looking back if that's what she said, but that's what I felt she said. So she was probably a very lovely woman. But I just, you yeah. know, was a very insecure young girl. And I thought, this is insane, you know. So I went home and I did exactly what she said. And I felt like crap. But I felt like crap because I wasn't listening to myself, too. So honestly, I stayed away from it for a long time until I started, you know, just, first of all, eating better, eating more fresh foods. And, you know, for me, that was saying, okay, I can't eat pretzels and gummy bears and soda for the rest of my life. I started following around women in New York in the grocery stores and just put in their, in my basket, whatever they would put in their wow, basket. That's crazy. <laughs> like learn how to cook, like, okay, tomatoes, got it. Okay. Kale, got it. And then just learn more and more about, you know, how to eat with food, how to eat with fresh foods and, you know, find more information about that. That wasn't, you know, I wanted to stay away from specific, you know, extreme fads and diets and just get to the food and you know, thankfully you turn right, you turn left. There's Chris Carr and there's Michael Pollan. So yes, totally. <laughs> gosh, so that was the time in my life. Those two showed up for me and, you know, learn, learned from them and, and, um, you know, just learn about actual food more. And, you know, the more I got interested in yoga, then I said, okay, let me come around to Ayurveda like a few years ago. And I kept asking people that were, you know, professional Ayurvedic, whether it was doctors or experts, you know, I said, okay, I have one question and I, I may get like banned from the wellness world from this, but can you, can you do Ayurveda without cooking Indian food? <laughs> <laughs> I just said, I'm not saying I don't want to learn how to cook Indian food, but is that possible? And both of the experts that I asked said, of course, you know, Indian, India is where this came from. So of course they use the materials that they had and some of these spices and ways of doing things are very nutritious and, and have a lot of healing properties, but you can also 
you know, calm your vata with, um, you know, with foods in your own culture. You can have, you know, a cucumber, a piece of cucumber if you feel stressed out. You don't need to, you know, whip up something else. You don't need to have like a big heavy doll, you know. So right there, I thought, okay, there, I, I can do this. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I just kept learning more, reading more, you know, experimenting more, and you know, finding a bridge between, you know, the respecting the the wisdom that came from the the history of the science of Ayurveda, which is a, which is a sister of yoga. So it's like, hey, this goes together. It's like us, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yoga and branding. It has to, you know, they really a, are. They complement each other. So there. beautiful. Yes. <laughs> So I thought this is amazing. I can take the principles of Ayurveda, how to eat at times that are good for you. And, and then I learned, my goodness, my grandmother is actually doing this. They have their biggest meal at noon, you know, they're farmers, then they come home from the fields and they just eat a little something. They go to bed, they wake up early, you know, they're actually doing intermittent fasting without calling it that just because they go to bed so darn early and they wake up so early and then they don't have a big breakfast. They have a little bit and they go out again. So you know, the more I could look up other cultures besides the the ancient culture of Ayurveda and see it in all cultures, the more I started to see, oh, okay, yeah, there's there doesn't need to be this um this block here for for all of us to think we need to culturally appropriate ourselves. Totally, so I it's, got more confident. <laughs> it's amazing, and your book breaks it down so simply. And I was so excited to see all of the spices. So, sidebar. I was feeling really off in my digestion just a few weeks ago and I took an assessment of my diet. It's like, well, it's summertime. So I'm eating a lot of salads and cold smoothies and cold drinks. And the there was not enough heat and spice in my system. I could feel it. And I switched to more like warm oatmeal in the morning versus a smoothie. I put turmeric and cinnamon and ginger in more of my drinks, started drinking my chai again. And it's I felt better. Like it was instant, wow. and <laughs> truly. And you wrote about that in your book. And I'm, it, I think it's really powerful that we demystify these ancient modalities, which are so beautiful in their ancient nature, but they're so applicable today in our modern day life, which is why I think your book just rocks because it's so simple. And it's like you teach people how to simply be. We do it differently, but it's really what you do. And you said that at the end of your book, you're like, this isn't easy, but it's simple. And I think we over overcomplicate just so much. And you've really broken down this journey to clear your mind and clean your body in a way that doesn't feel inaccessible. And I, I just love that about your entire platform, Tara, for the record. So accessible. Oh, you're the best. <laughs> true. It's true. I want to ask you one question that's more of like a personal question for myself because boundaries at home, just for my own self, navigating business, my computer, all the things I have to do, let alone my husband and our relationship and, you know, my friends and, and then me and my own time. And you really break down beautifully how to sort of create those boundaries internally in your home and in your day to day. So if you could just walk us through some of your top tips on how to really create space, because I think a lot of people are struggling with that. Oh, yeah, I think it's, you know, I think it's really about, you know, this is, I love that you said it's not, it's not easy, but it's simple Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because there isn't one size fits all. I think the, the magic is you have to slow down enough. So you know what you need, you know, it's about nourishing yourself. So, you know, uh, 
for me, I know just through practice, I mean, the reason I started that quarantine yoga Instagram live was because, you know, I remember the day we were doing a shoot like for the, for the Strala site videos and we came back and it was starting to get really serious in New York where people didn't know what was happening. And it was pretty obvious that we needed to start staying inside. And it was sort of, you know, there wasn't a mandate, but it was sort of like, everybody we know is doing it. Like, let's just get the one final groceries and just mm-hmm. hunker in, you know? So, okay, it'll be two weeks, whatever. You know? <laughs> right. I, was like, I said to my staff on Friday, I was like, we were closing down in Chicago that week. And I was like, I'll probably see you at the end of next week. We're just not going to come in for yeah. the next few days. And just get a couple boxes of pasta yeah, and we'll be fine. Four months later. <laughs> exactly. So I knew for myself that I needed to do yoga every day. And I knew I needed to see people and I knew that was impossible. So I thought, okay, you know, Instagram has this live thing, you know, it's not about being anything on Instagram. It's just about, you know, connecting with people. So I, I said to Mike, I said, is it okay if, you know, we wake up early and Daisy, our three-year-old wakes up around 730. I said, let's make her breakfast. And can you guys go and hang out in our bedroom and like do whatever, like watch a show, read books, play, you can take all the toys in there and like be gone for an hour and then I'll do my yoga and then, you know, we can do whatever we want for the day and, you know, we can trade on and off with whatever work we need to do. We'll figure that all out later. But for me, I know I need this one time and I know it needs to be in the morning. And he was like, sure, let's do that. And that turned into, you know, basically the start of our, of our flow. And, you know, I have a pretty, he's, he's a pretty great partner in that he needs to do, he needs to do things, but he, he also kind of, you know, shines the light on what, what do I need? So I feel really grateful for that. Like I speak up for myself, but (laughs) I definitely have a a partner that asks me like, you know, do you need some time? You know, let me know. Do you want to go see your friends, you know, now, but um, things like that. So, so yeah, we got better at sort of refining the day. So, you know, sometimes they would disappear and then they would, you know, come out get in a stroller and go on a stroller walk for a while. And I would still have some time to do you know, whatever I want to do, whether it was just lie on the floor or, you know, do some computering, whatever it is. So we just kind of, you know, together figure that out. But I, you know, I think it's important, at least for me and maybe for others too, not to rely on, if you do live with someone, rely on that person to, to figure out your happiness. So I know for me, it was like, okay, I need to do yoga. I need to move my body. You know, I'm going to want to do certain things. And I don't want my things to make him unhappy, but if I don't have these, I can't be happy. So then, you know, it was sort of, I feel like that, that morning yoga class kind of set the tone for him to figure out when he wanted to go on a bike ride, he needed his movement in, you know, coming back when I would, you know, do other things and take care of her. So it's sort of like everybody's responsible for their own happiness. (laughs) That is such beautiful wisdom because it's a truth, but I think I mean, I'm speaking from personal experience, but a lot of us who are living with our partners or roommates or families, we've, we, my husband and I have spent more time together in the last eight months than we have in our entire marriage. We've been together for nine years. Like he travels, I travel. We've never had this concentrated, uninterrupted physical time together. And advocating for your own space and boundaries is step number one and probably the biggest and only thing you need to do because the rest of it's just, logistics of figuring out what you need to do and when, but voicing that you need that space and having that self-advocacy, I think is huge for people right now because it's, it's, it's a whole new world having to navigate. You live in a city. I live in a city, these small spaces with 
other humans, <laughs> even yeah. though we love them. It's a lot. <laughs> I know. It's a lot. It's a lot. And it's so easy to complain. And it's also so easy to pretend everything's blissful. You know, like the first week of, oh, let's just bake banana bread. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You and like, right. We're going to do art projects all day and forget about any need to, you know, make an income still if there is a world to go back to. So, you know, it's, it's, I, I don't know. For me, it's, 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 yeah, it's boundaries and it's just, um, you know, taking responsibility for what I need and knowing that that changes all the time. Just like in yoga, every day I don't need to do a strong class. I can lay on the floor and do a few twists and that's my yoga for the day. And I don't need to feel guilty like I didn't do some massive workout because it's that's not the reality of what we actually need anyway. I love it. I think the theme of the rest of 2020 and into next year and hopefully beyond is just this theme of gentleness and peace and flow. And you teach that not in just your book, but in everything that you that you do. What is next for you? Obviously, you've got the book coming out, but tell us what's next for Tara Styles. Oh my gosh, you know me, and I know you. We we can't stop. You know, yeah. <laughs> this is your seventh book, right? I know. I think Holy so. Crap. Yeah, <laughs> incredible, girl. That's amazing. I don't know. As long as as long as they'll let me keep doing them, I'll keep doing them. But um, look at what a baby yeah. you are, by the way. This book came in the mail, and I was like. That's my friend. She's so big. She's <laughs> such a babe. I swear. Oh my gosh. It's true. Um, but yeah, more, you know, more service. Honestly, it's, um, you know, I've been happy to be a part of a few different organizations that help kids in schools and help people feel better on a much better, bigger way than I can. So during this quarantine, I, I called both of these organizations and said, you know, what else can I do? Can I get involved? Can I give, can we give away some trainings? Can we do some online seminars? Can we plan some stuff? So just kind of, you know, planning how to help people in a bigger way and um, or more in a structured way that I, I can't reach right now. So I think that's really cool. And just, you know, just knowing that there's different kinds of people out there that need to feel better. And the kind of people that are coming to me naturally are people that, you know, they're aware of their stress outness in a way. And, you know, a lot of people even came to us through, you know, the videos and things like that at the first time now during quarantine and they knew about me before. And they said, you know, before I was still doing my crazy hard workout and beating myself up, but now, now I just want some ease. <laughs> I said, that's fine. We we're here. We'll always be here. Um, but you know, it's, it's for like the teachers and the schools who they, they don't know how they can create boundaries. And it sounds, you know, ridiculous in a way to, you know, to, to tell them through lecture, oh, just create some space for yourself instead of, you know, I feel like my, my superpower is I can go in and, and help them, you know, soften in the moment a little bit, wiggle a little bit while they're dropping off, you know, homework to, you know, a child's parents who can't come in and do it and drop it off at the door instead of being all stressed when they do that. I want to teach that person how to breathe while they're walking up to the front door and bring that yoga feeling and all of these feelings of meditation and Ayurveda and all of these things she ought to do into just regular life again. So I think that's, that's my big idea. My big goal is to kind of normalize these things beyond the, the wellness, you know, package to let's see if we can put this into life somehow. And, you know, so maybe in 10 years, it's like, Oh, if I'm feeling tired, I can tell the person I live with to lean on the bottom of my foot there and the shiatsu point that kind of wakes me up. And we learned how to do that once in a video. We don't remember where, but it's just, it's part of life now. So I think that's, 
you know, what I'm hoping to kind of keep going with. It's so needed. It is so needed. And you're the, you're the gal for the job. You're the, that's, that's <laughs> I think we all are. Yeah, no, totally. It's a new, it's a new earth. I think we're creating right now. And as, as sucky as COVID has been, it's been just an opportunity to go deeper into our mission and our service and to really rewrite the way we operate in a way that's more loving and more gentle and more peaceful and less self-punishing and rushing and keeping up with the the man it's like who's the who's the man <laughs> like let's, let's let's lead from our feminine and our our hearts and you know you've been you've been doing that for years and i just really i'm just so grateful that you're you know not only in my life as a friend but a teacher as well it's really been helpful for me truly and i know for so many so exciting to to have you on my show i want to ask you it's the truth it's so full circle. And I think I'm going to drop the YouTube link of our conversation oh like gosh, in oh. the show notes. That was like <laughs> baby Tara and baby Jessica like back in 2014. Yeah. Um, but seriously, I'm going to dig it up and I'll find it because I think oh, it'll be okay. fun for people to watch our first conversation, at least the one we recorded. So I want to know every guest that comes on my show, I ask the same question too. And in closing, obviously simply be is a phrase and a brand and words that mean a lot to me. I would love to know what that that phrase means to you. Oh my gosh. Well, it's 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 everything to me. It's sort of this omniscient way um to feel better, I think. And I think that's one of the reasons why we're so connected. It's the same mission and sort of different variations, different expressions in this way. And you know, it reminds me I got to go back to my hometown several years ago with this YouTube production company that said, oh, let's do some videos. And I said, but can we also go to my hometown and try to convince everybody to do yoga? And we went around and asked people if they would come to this yoga class for free. You know, it wasn't a charge or anything. And nobody wanted to come because we were saying, do you want to come and do yoga? And then I said, well, we need to go and ask people how they're feeling. And somebody would say, oh, my back hurts. Oh, my my kid is on drugs. My husband broke up with me. This is going on. This is going, people just open up when you say, how are you doing? How are you feeling? You know, it's so easy to get people to talk about themselves. Um, so for me, you know, yoga and all of, all of these variations is a way to feel better. And, and when we feel better, I feel like that's the, the sort of big bang of, of simply being ourselves. So you know, that's how I think of us a lot. We're kind of like this ping pong ball going back and forth. It's like a little bit of action, a little bit of process, action and process. And it's, if you feel better, if you feel better, you do better. And, you know, if I can help people feel better, then they can simply be, you know, and, and if you can help people simply be, then they feel better. <laughs> it's like, you know, feeling better in order to feel better is great, but we also, you know, once you do feel better, you feel that confidence and that well-being to, you know, to share your purpose and to, you know, live your dreams and go after, you know, what gives you excitement and, and desire in life. And, and it turns out all of those things, when you come from that beautiful, connected soul place, they're not going to be the crush the man and, you know, kill the competition. They're going to be those, you know, more community connected values. And we don't have to you know, uh, you know, have one or the other success or being broke. It's sort of, you know, when you, when you simply be, you're going to have enough abundance for yourself and you're going to easily share that with others. And I think that's, you know, why I love you so much because it's sort of, 
you know, you're not shying away from success. You're, you're marrying it with service in such a productive way. So thank you. Yeah. (laughs) I loved that response. That was so beautiful. And so spot on and beautifully said in a way that no one's ever said. And I, I think that's honestly why I resonated with you, you know, in, in back in the day, I think that this is what we've been calling for this way of being connected to service and mission and ease this, this balance, this yin, the yang, the hustle, the flow. And you've in many ways have been a trailblazer for that in yoga, but in so much more. And it sounds like you're taking all of that power into your next chapter. And and so am I. And I'm just so happy to reconnect with you at this poignant little moment in both of our paths as we both continue on. And I just, I feel such a resonance with you and your soul and as sisters that have been shining light at each other for so many years. And so thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. It's this amazing. So cool. Tell me, tell <laughs> me, tell, I know where you, I can find you. Tell everyone where they can find you. How do they go buy your book, look you up on internet, social, all the things. Oh, sure. Just, I finally have one of those, you know, personal websites now. I hadn't had one for so long with Strala, but just parastyles.com. That'll more of an author site. It'll take you to where the book, where the book is. It's in all the bookstores and all those usual things. But um, also astralayoga.com will take you to all the yoga yoga things. So definitely easy. <laughs> amazing. Definitely just and they're connected. Yeah, they are. They're beautiful. They're like Jessica's wagon simply be like, that's how it is for me too. It's so cool. awesome. And not everybody does that. And it's so powerful when you do in such intentionality and, and service and they live separately, but they connect and support one another and go take Tara's IG live yoga classes in the morning. <laughs> they are so good. And you feel and strong and powerful and energized, whatever you want to be, but you, but it's in flow and your, your yoga has really been transformative for me. And I know so many, so thank you for being you. Let me tell you about one of my favorite podcasts on the market. Activate. It's your one-stop shop for all things, mind, body, and soul elevation. Each week, my dear friend, soul sister, and host of Activate, Laura Holloway, and her guests will bring you tools to align your minds and your hearts and take empowered action. You'll learn how to strip back the layers, silence the noise, and listen to your heart's truest calling. And most importantly, you'll give yourself full permission to say yes to your higher self. If you're ready to dig deep and get out of your own way, then this is your tribe. Laura is with you. Oh, hey, it's me again. If you loved this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. And if you leave a review, don't forget to screenshot it, DM it to me over on Instagram at Jessica's Wike. I respond to everybody to get the private Spotify playlist of the month inspired by the monthly Be Intention. And don't forget to follow me at Jessica Zweig and at Simply Be Agency on IG and check out jessicazweig.com and simplybeagency.com for more info on my upcoming book launch, our work, and how to become a part of the Simply Be Society. 
And speaking of the Simply Be Society, as a listener of the show, you're officially invited to join our private Facebook group exclusively for the podcast, where you can connect with a community of like-minded, badass light workers, all on a mission to build their brands, up-level their lives, and expand their souls by stopping all the doing and start simply being. You'll find the link to it all in the episode show notes. Until next week, my friend, have a beautiful, bright, sunny, yellow week.